I'm sure everybody's getting busy for the holidays. They're upon us anyway. How many make lists to remember things? Lists. Everybody maybe makes a list once in a while to remember things. You go to Publix, go with a list. Or you go to uh, Walmart with a list. Or you need school supplies when that time came uh, for grandkids, for children. We make a lot of lists, but what about the honeydew list? Anybody ever get one of those? Okay, once in a while. There's one place that's very dangerous to not have a list. Home Depot. Anybody ever go to Home Depot? Just going to pick up one thing. And then you start thinking, oh man, what about this and that? And better get another one of those. And pretty soon you got a cartload. Well, this holiday season, especially Christmas coming up, people like to make lists of what they want. On Amazon, you put what you want on your wish list or cart to buy later. Kids hint and hint by pointing, finger pointing as they see commercials on TV or paper ads from Best Buy and Walmart, while others solve all their gifts that they're going to give. They go to the end rack of the gift cards at Publix or Walgreens, and then they pick out one or two or 20, and they say, oh, I've taken care of everything. I got them all gift cards. But what about the upcoming holiday in less than two weeks, Thanksgiving? What about a list of things to be thankful to God for? Listen to this quote and a reminder from one of our past national leaders. The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are of extraordinary nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensitive to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel has devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who while dealing with us in anger for our sin, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. Signed, President Abraham Lincoln, October 3, 1863. Here's how one person says we're to observe Thanksgiving, and these are his thoughts. Count your blessings instead of your crosses. Count your gains instead of your losses. Count your joys instead of your woes. Count your friends instead of your foes. Count your smiles instead of your tears. Count your courage instead of your fears. Count your full years instead of your lean. Count your kind deeds instead of your mean. Count your health instead of your wealth. Count on God instead of yourself. That was well done. And then I ran across this as I was doing this study we're going to look at in a moment. This is a soldier's thanksgiving. 
one who's on deployment. Over there, a soldier's thinking of a time not long ago when his loved ones got together, twas Thanksgiving Day, you know. Over there, a soldier's dreaming of a turkey baked just right, mashed potatoes, golden gravy, chestnut dressing, pure delight. Over there, a soldier's wishing he could have one buttered roll, but he feasts on GI rations while his unit's on patrol. Over there, a soldier's lying in a ditch, his makeshift bed. Mud and dirt are his companions. Been a while since he's been fed. Over there, a soldier's quoting scriptures learned at mother's knee, proud that he's a mighty warrior keeping all his loved ones free. This Thanksgiving, as you're eating that sweet corn that Grandpa grew, say a prayer for that dear soldier who would love to be with you. This morning, let's begin a list to be thankful to God for, and over the next three weeks, we'll look at three gifts from God we should be thankful for this Thanksgiving and throughout the year. Our passage is found in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And we're going to be studying verses 6 to 13 over the next three weeks. And here we uncover what these gifts are. And they should cause us to rejoice in Almighty God. So join me in Isaiah 55. And to include God's offer of grace to the nation of Israel, we'll begin beginning at verse 1. Isaiah 55, beginning at verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. 
The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Before we look at this first gift this morning, we need to know a little bit about the God-directed author Isaiah. He was a prophet to Judah. His name means the Lord is salvation. And he prophesied around the same time as Micah and Hosea. He was married, had two sons. And tradition has it that he died by being cut in two with a wooden saw. So with that in background, as God directed Isaiah to record this, the first gift from God we should be thankful for is shared in verses 6 and 7. That's what we'll look at this morning. And that is being thankful to God for His salvation. Being thankful to God for His salvation. In these two verses we find the two parts of salvation. Part one is this. With God-given faith, seek God. With God-given faith, seek God. And let's read verse six again. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. This passage is directed to the nation of Israel, but it applies to us as well. The nation of Israel is coming to the end of decades-long exile in Babylon, which was punishment for not resting the land every seven years. During that 70 years of judgment, the people of Israel have turned away from God and they've turned to everything going on in Babylon. And they're enjoying the comforts of Babylon, having now forgotten God. John MacArthur shares, here is one of the clearest Old Testament invitations to salvation now and kingdom blessing later. It gives an excellent example of how people were saved during the Old Testament period. Salvation, grace, and mercy were available to the soul that was willing to seek the Lord and call on Him while He is still available. That word seek It means inquiring, to go or come to. It's used in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Isaiah 34.16 shares, Seek from the book of the Lord. Seek after. Pursue it. Jeremiah 29.7 Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Remember, Israel was exiled from where? Jerusalem. And so... Seeking after knowing again that the time of their captivity away from Jerusalem, that time was close to ending. Remember how Daniel looked forward to that? He knew when that time was coming as well. But it's important to see here, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. For the nation of Israel, they needed to to seek the Lord again because they had forgotten the Lord. For us... 
We're told no one seeks after God according to Romans 3.11. There is none that understands. There is none who seeks for God. And according to John 6.44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws me. So God has to give us the faith to even seek God because what? We're alive in our sin. We're dead in our sin. So God has to make us alive to seek him because we won't on our own. And we have so many reminders in the world around us. Satan is putting out everything he can to turn people away from God and not hear the message of salvation. He's doing it, pulling out all the stops. But who is greater? God is greater. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can lean upon that every day. And when those temptations to succumb to evil or when we feel threatened, who's the most powerful? God is. And he will see us through every day, every moment until he calls us home. Not a second sooner or not a second later. So we need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Why? Because we are dead in our sin. God makes us alive spiritually to even be saved. It's all about God. We don't say, well, I did 20% of my own salvation. No, it's all of God. It's, it's by faith. And that invitation isn't extended forever here for the nation of Israel and neither for us here on this earth. And so the invitation for salvation is open even for that one who is persecuting us, as Pastor Joe has been sharing in First Peter, the door is open for them too. What was Saul before he was saved? People were afraid of him. Anyone that was a Christian was afraid of him. Why? Because he was being so nice to them. He was hunting them down until Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting the church? And then Saul changed to Paul. And did he have it easy once he became a believer? (laughs) Had about everything go wrong with his life. And yet he trusted God because his faith was in who alone? God. Jesus alone. Isaiah 53 tells us all, and we're not going to read chapter 53, but tells us all about the upcoming Messiah's substitutionary death for sin, looking forward in Isaiah's time and looking back in our time. But when we think about Jesus, the Son of God, coming to this earth, willingly laying down His life as our substitute, that's grace. That's God's mercy when we deserve judgment. The verse continues, call upon Him while He is near there's a parallel cry in Jeremiah 29:13 and 14 which says, "You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you," declares the Lord, "and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you," declares the Lord, "and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile." You know, when God deals with us, and we call it discipline, when there's always a purpose to it. And what is it? 
Does the Lord want us to keep walking our own way? Does He want us to keep following the temptations that Satan throws our way? What does He want? Bring us back to Him. Return to Him. Why? Because in God, letting Him have total control of our lives, which is hard to do, but we let Him have total control, nothing as a believer will come our way that God can't handle because it's all according to His plan for us. Sometimes we say, God, I have my plans. Please rubber stamp them. God doesn't do that, does He? Praise God He doesn't. Next week, as we look further in this passage, we'll see why He doesn't. But for now, we need to be reminded of that. So we need to call upon, we need to to cry out to Him, shout, call out. The nation of Israel needs to cry out to God just like we need to cry out to God. Our hope is in God alone. Commentator Barnes tells us this, how unspeakably important then is to seek for mercy at once. Less slighted now, the offer should be withdrawn or less death should overtake us and we will be removed to a world where mercy is unknown. None of us know how long we have on this earth, do we? Every day is a blessing. When we wake up in the morning, and I told inmates this when I was working at Pinellas County Jail, and I try to remind myself every morning, we need to thank God in the morning, say, Lord, thanks for waking me up, because I know you got a purpose for me today. I don't know beyond it. And if I'm with you tomorrow, at least I have today, that we can use it wisely. So that we show others around us some little glimpse of who Jesus is. That they say, I want to know more about Jesus. Because I see something that's tiny, but it's there in our lives. We should radiate Jesus to those around us. We don't always have to speak, but how we act, our attitude, our gestures say, well, how you doing? That's not a very good way to... If somebody comes up to you and says, how are you doing? Wow, that, that wouldn't make me want to talk to him too much, would we? But when you go, you know, how are things going? It's the tone, it's the gestures. But all that is, I think, brought on by Jesus in us so that it shows out to others. Does Jesus make a difference in our lives? <laughs> he should. Do we still stumble along the way? Absolutely. But God is patient with us anyway. And He still continues to work through us. I ran across this. And again, I'm not going to sing, but there's a song put out by Lauren Daigle titled First. And I thought it's a good reminder. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Before I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you. I want to find you in every season, in every moment. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart and seek you. We need to seek the Lord every day. The world isn't going to tell us to do that, but God tells us to do it. Why? Because that's how we'll have joy in life. And when we think of joy, that means we wear a smile all the time. Well, that's the hope, but... We know that doesn't happen, does it? 
But the joy is that our hearts are right with God. That's that inner peace that goes beyond human understanding. Nobody can understand, but we know if we have it and we know if we don't. That inner peace. Kyle and Dalich, two German commentators, share this. To call upon Him for a share in that superabundant grace that God is near now that God approaches Israel and offers it. Do we need God's grace? Is there a day that we don't need it? That we turn with our arms in the air and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And God has an answer. Trust me. Not partially. Not because I feel like it. But because His Word is true. If we put our trust in Him, He will never let us down. For us... When God offers grace, when He offers salvation, we look to Ephesians 2, 4-10. to That whole passage talks about that we have a part in being saved. We save ourselves. It's by grace through what? Faith. Faith in God alone. We can't add anything. If we add anything, it's not grace anymore. It's not a gift. But by faith, we look to God who has an answer to everything, doesn't He? Is there one thing God doesn't have an answer for? It just comes down to day by day as a point of habit, we trust God completely. We don't try to tell God what to do. We don't try to guess. If we guess, we're probably going to be wrong. We can make plans, as we're told in James, but if God changes them, we say, that's fine, Lord, that's okay. Or we say, God, wow, you know, I had it all planned out and now you're changing this already. Thank God He does. And He doesn't let us go on with our plans, which quite often don't work out anyway. God has something better, as we'll see as we continue in this study. Part two of God's salvation is, and this is a tough one, we repent of our sins. Repent. Repentance means for Israel to turn away from their wicked ways and unrighteous thoughts and by application for us to repent of our sins. Let's read verse 7 again. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon Repent of our sins. John MacArthur shares, this speaks of seeking in faith accompanied by repentance. John Wesley shares, return by sincere repentance and faith. That's simple, but it's true. Verse 7 points to the fact that we, like Israel, must repent of our wicked ways and thoughts. Repentance again means to turn from our place on the broad road and its evil ways and turn to God who places us on the narrow road because He is our salvation. Forsake means to leave in a destitute condition without any further care, to let go, the opposite of holding fast, of turning away. Forsake what? Wicked ways. What are wicked ways? For the nation of Israel, it included idolatry, forsaking God while in Babylon, getting too comfortable, 
with those things that were offered in Babylon and to return to Jerusalem and to return to God. For us, what are wicked ways? What are ungodly ways? Of course, that wouldn't apply to us, right? What about idolatry? You say, oh, we, we don't do that. We don't have things in our homes that are sitting on, on the mantle that, that, that we worship like an idol. But anything that is placed before God in worship is an idol. And you say, well, I don't really think that applies to me, but what about things that take so much of our time? Say, God, I don't have time to pray today. I don't have time to study your word because I'm doing what? And I'm doing this. God needs to be number one in our lives, in our worship, in our walk, in our talk. Whatever we're doing, He needs to be number one. Wicked ways, what about pride? Look at what I did over giving God the glory. And I'm always reminded of the prophet Elisha. Remember when that great general Naaman came to be healed and he didn't run to the end and get all the glory, did he? He stayed back. Why? Because he wanted God to get all the glory. He didn't want any part of that because it belonged to God. God did the healing. And when Naaman did it God's way, the results were what? He was healed of leprosy. That all belonged to God. The credit belonged to him. And what about disobedience to God's Word? We hear God's Word preached and taught here in this church time and time again, but when we disobey it, is that a wicked way? Is that saying, God, I don't care what you say in your Word, I'm going my own way? Well, that worked out real well for Jonah, didn't it? (laughs) And I think how many times are we like Jonah? Sometimes God has to say, okay, I'll have to swallow you up spiritually so you can have some personal time with me to get your attention again. Because our lives on this earth as believers is an opportunity to share and live and witness about the difference God, the difference Jesus makes in our lives. And if He doesn't make a difference, we're not saved. Because God doesn't just save us and leave us. He indwells us. He guides us. He directs us. But when we're always pulling on the reins and we're saying, I want to go my own way and we're being stubborn, we're wasting another day that we have here on this earth, whatever time we have. It says not only forsake wicked ways, but it talks about unrighteous thoughts. Uh Uh-oh, our thoughts. Wow. Does God ever address our thought life? The Bible speaks in Genesis 6, 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What was going on in Noah's day? There was a big problem with thoughts continually. Wicked. Turning away from God. And what happened after that? What was that? Wiped them out. Wiped them out. Except Noah and his family. The flood came. So does God care about our thoughts and our intents? Absolutely. He knows them. 
Acts 8.22, Therefore repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible the intention of your heart, your thoughts may be forgiven you. We need to be checking our thoughts. And, and I remember a, a few times, and this challenged me as well, while at Pinellas County Jail working with inmates, I say, you know, that God reads our thoughts. And they said, but chaplain, I keep battling it, and I, I don't know what to do about my thought life. And I said, fill it with the Word. Start memorizing Scripture. And when that comes, quote a verse and see God's power in His Word. Take over your life. That's the only way we can do battle. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did He quote? A book on how to do this better? No. (laughs) He quoted God's Word. And finally, what did Satan have to do? He had to leave. Good example. Very good example. And then it says here, God will have compassion on him as man turns from his self-will and turns to the God of our salvation. God shows compassion, pity, tenderness. And as I was reading that, (laughs) I had to look at myself. We're a pitiful people, aren't we? We're definitely in that category. But praise God, He has compassion on us. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, the Lord's loving kindnesses Indeed, never cease, for His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God doesn't desert us nor forsake us. The rest of verse 7, it says the following, And He will have compassion on Him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Praise God He doesn't give up on us. His children, even though we let him down time and time again. But first of all, we've got to be his adopted son or daughter. That's the first step. It's all about God's grace to us in drawing us and saving us. It's all undeserved. We didn't deserve it. And praise the Lord, God saved us. Every day we need to wake up and say, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. This Thanksgiving, as we approach this national holiday, let's be thankful to God for His salvation. Let's make that number one on our list. Not a list to go to Publix, not a list to go to Home Depot or whatever that, but our Thanksgiving list say, God, thank you for salvation. One inmate put his thanks for salvation this way. It's entitled Saved. It was written by Elorondo Nava, who's in Julia, Texas, at the Correctional Institution there. It's entitled, Save. Life without God was a crazy spin, a downward spiral, drowning in sin. I needed salvation, but didn't know it. My smile said, I was okay, but my heart didn't show it. My life became darker. I couldn't see light. I tried all the wrong things to make me feel right. When it all fell apart and I could take no more, in tears I heard the knocking on my heart's door. Out of the gloom I found the Lord's saving grace. Now a genuine smile decorates my face. Though my body is in prison, my life is free, for I have the Father and the Son and the Spirit in me. 
salvation. How can we thank God enough for that? And we're making our next list, and we have our list now for Thanksgiving. Let's put salvation at the top. Because without salvation, we'd be looking forward to what? An eternity without God. But because He saved us, we look forward to an eternity with God. And we can never praise Him enough. Next week, we'll look at the second gift from God to be thankful for this Thanksgiving as we continue our study in Isaiah 55. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we come to You and we thank You for salvation. We're thankful for the reminder to Israel they needed to return to You. And Lord, we're thankful that You've drawn us to You and saved us and we just can't praise You enough for that. Lord, help us not to stray. Help us not to look at our own means or our own plans without considering You in everything we do and say. You show and You continue to show patience with the nation of Israel, but You show so much patience with each one of us. Thank You for not throwing in the towel. Thank You for not giving up on us. Thank You for not leaving us and Thank You for keeping Your Word. And God, I pray today, even as we have opportunity, we'll have lots of reunions in coming weeks, opportunities to share with with family, to share with friends and neighbors. I pray that You would shine through our lives, that they would ask, what's the difference? Uh, What does it mean to be a Christian What's it in you that that shows a different reaction than the rest of the world? It's because of our relationship with you. And Father, be with us this day. Help us to apply your word to our lives that we would daily bring honor and glory to you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.